Hey, welcome to episode 106 of Tangible Takeaways. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how you're maybe a little too weary following Jesus. And I'm Matt, and I'm going to tell you how Uncle Rico actually sheds light on how little we know. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. For his second all-time appearance Ooh. on Tangible Takeaways, Man, feels good to be home. Pastor Matt Colomb, yeah, I don't know if, I, don't <laughs> know if I can be call this home because I was only here one time. It, you're making it yeah, home here so, and now. Anyway, thanks for the invite. Yeah, of yeah. course. I'm glad that you're here, and I'm yeah. glad that we get to talk through such a um, deep and rich book. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we're not going through First Peter like we. You know, normally our sermon series are like eight weeks long or whatever. Yes. This would be a really hard book to do at a quick pace. Yeah, we've got some time to kind of settle in over yeah, 16 weeks. There's some mm-hmm. there's some real meat in mm-hmm, here, mm-hmm. even just in, I mean, the first chapter is so dense. You'd think you're reading, you know, the middle of Romans, the right. way that Peter mm-hmm. starts. Thinking. I think he feels a little competitive with Paul, Maybe you know, so. got to bring, so. yeah, yeah, bring yeah. the density with mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, I just I'm so excited to continue jumping into this series, and it's been encouraging to me. I hope. Yeah, me just, too. Yeah, and I think it's going to be so good for the life of our church and all of that too. Agreed. Kind of a cool feature that we're adding into Tangible Takeaways starting this week is taking some questions from the crowd. So we had an opportunity for people to text the word "question" to six four five six seven and be able to submit a question from this weekend's message. Mm-hmm. We got one uh, that I just thought was a very thoughtful question from our congregation. It said this, during this week's message, you said, being Pastor Todd, mm-hmm. that Jesus was coming back as a conqueror and not as a suffering servant. But the Jews thought he was coming back as a conqueror the first time. If you're kind of familiar with the context of why people are kind of disappointed with Jesus in the mm-hmm, Gospels, mm-hmm. it's because they thought this, that he was coming back as a conqueror. So my question is, why do we think he's coming back as a conqueror? How do we know this? And also, why did the Jews think he was coming as a conqueror? Mm -hmm. So what are some thoughts there for why did the Jews maybe have that misunderstanding that first time? And then how do we have a confidence about it? I mean, I'm thinking these Jews during Jesus's day, they're banking on prophetic words that were given to them probably 700, I mean, for Isaiah, yeah. Isaiah the prophet was, was speaking some 700 years before Christ would even appear. Yeah. So they're, they've been sitting on a lot of these words for a long time. And when we read in Isaiah 9, you know, for, us to ch- for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government is going to be on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. I think there's a big statement there. Yeah. You know, they're expecting something significant there. Governance, yeah. not just a baby right. born in a major. Yeah, and they're saying of the greatness of this government, his government, you know, and peace, there will be no end. And then it says he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. To me, that sounds like someone who's going to come in and, and conquer Rome. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and so I think that's where they would maybe get that idea. When this Messiah comes, he's going to overtake that government, and, mm. and it's going to be on his shoulders instead. Mm. Yeah, mm. And, and I think that's what's so true for any of those kind of uh, Jews, ancient Jews living at the time that Jesus showed up. There's this... They've, they're reading both parts of the story in the prophets. They're mm-hmm. reading this initial, the Messiah's coming, right. but what's not, no prophet says, oh, and also there's going to be this undisclosed amount of time yeah. that there's going to be a gap between when he first comes and right. when he second comes, mm-hmm. and also his goal in coming is not just going to be for Israel, but it's going to be to 
bring salvation to the world. Right. And so all of these kind of like layers to mm-hmm, his coming, mm-hmm. un, very unknown to most of the Jewish audience. Yeah. So when they read about mm-hmm. the Messiah, they see both he's coming mm-hmm. and he's coming to bring a kingdom that's yeah. going to never fade, never perish. And so they're reading about both comings at the same right. time, yeah. which is easy to think as one coming. Yes, exactly. And Pastor Todd, you know, even made that point is as the Spirit was carrying along these prophets, like they didn't have all the blanks filled in either. Yeah. So Isaiah is even writing these words, not even thinking in terms of timeline and chronology. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of that that imagery of of layers of mountain ranges. You know, mm. I mean, you 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 can see what's in the foreground and. And, and what's in the background, but you can't see the distance between each of those ranges. Mm. And so I think when we approach like the prophetic words like this, it, it's hard to interpret sometimes because you don't see the distance between those layers. Yeah. And mm. I and I think that there's, you know, for why do we think, why do we feel so confident that he's coming back as a conqueror? I, I do think you look to a lot of the imagery in Revelation, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it is that of a conquering king. It's also words of finality, right? It's not right. yeah. um, where I think some of the prophets in the Old Testament are talking about mission and progress and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's not this idea of progress or a mission other than I'm taking my people and right. I'm starting the world anew, a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah. And that's very much the imagery that we get in right. Revelation. So, But I feel this tension. I feel the same tension that whoever's writing this question feels. Of like, so I can have some confidence reading in Revelation, he is coming back as a conquering king. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't want to fill in that picture so clearly in my head that I actually miss him or am prone to reject him when he does come because it doesn't look exactly like I thought it was going to, because that's the same problem that the Pharisees had. Yeah. So it's like that, I've got to hold this intention of like, I have an expectation, Mm -hmm. but I'm not drawing in the details of that expectation. In the words of Uncle Rico, you know, Napoleon, there's a whole lot you don't know about. Yes, exactly. And I think, yeah. See, now we're speaking the, now you're speaking my language here. Okay, good, I'm I'm glad that was your jam. Okay, good. So, yeah, so I think, yeah, there's always a whole lot more than we understand. Uh, we've been given an incredible account, the full account of God's Word, mm. but trying to discern its meaning, you know, in terms of timeline, in terms of detail, sometimes that's hard to interpret. Yeah, yeah. So I think mm-hmm. it's that kind of like, there's some stuff that we've got to be close-handed about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is coming back for His people, and yeah. everything's going to be made right. right. I'm close-handed about that. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. Yeah then what does that look like? What does the timeline of that look like? What is he going to look like? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a lot more open-handed about that because mm-hmm. I want to be able to be flexible and understand in humility. Right. I, I don't understand mm-hmm. all of the things that are going to come, mm-hmm. everything that's going to happen, but he's given me this hope, and I know yeah. that I know that. You can't say that Re- Revelation 19 is not motivating, though. Yeah. When you see Jesus coming... Not on the foul of a donkey, yep. but on a white stallion. Yeah. And his eyes are with blazing, like blazing fire, and there's a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, and his robe's dipped in blood, and there's a tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings. Yeah. I mean, that, that, seems like a pretty ama- that, that seems like a pretty amazing conquering king. Yeah. And, uh, and so there is hope in that word picture, how it plays out, if, if that's, you know, anyway, how that plays out and what that looks like. I don't know, but that sounds pretty... Yeah. Yeah. Definitely conquering. confidence building. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If that's my king. And that and there's uh 
you know, here we are in our second week now talking about this idea of hope connected to both eternity with God in heaven and also Christ's return. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, we I, we talked last week um, here on Tangible Takeaways about how maybe we're just, there's some parts of us that are really bad at having a hope-filled picture of heaven, mm-hmm. but also similarly, many people frightened about the idea of Christ's return, almost like that's a scary thing, mm-hmm. um, or uh, feel a sense of so much confusion about it that it's even hard to be hopeful. Mm-hmm. So why should and how do, how can that bring us hope? Why should it bring us hope, and, and how can we tap into that instead of just being so confused or scared? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason it can bring us hope is because there's too much in the th- there's too much going on in my life mm. and in our lives that uh, creates anxiety and stress and mm. depression and hopelessness that I need a, a capital H hope to mm. be looking up on the horizon at you know, and when the when the psalmist says you know I look to the mountains where does my hope come from. Mm. You know, my help, I guess that's my help comes from. My, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, and he is my hope. Um, I need something beyond the stuff of this earth, yeah. you know, to, to cling to. And if hope is like an anchor to the soul, which is what the writer of Hebrews tells us, um, then, you know, no matter what happens in life, how, how you know, how many mountaintops I'm, 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 I'm on top of or, or, you know, how m- much of a valley that I'm walking through, the valley of the shadow of death, you know, I need to be able to cling to to something that's greater than than the stuff of this world mm. and the stuff of this life. And um, so, for me to to look to that hope, which is found in Christ, yeah, is is an anchor for for my soul. And it's something that I think we need to talk more about. You know, yeah, talk about more when it comes to our communities and our, our church services and 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 the, the topics of discussion among Christians. Yeah. yeah, we we see the return of Christ tied to motivating believers in this kind of season of tribulation in between when mm-hmm. Christ is left and when he's going to return or the church age. They're almost kind of right. in, exchangeably used. Mm-hmm. And, and we see it used for so many different types of motivators, like uh, the servants who just wait for their master to come home, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we know that he's coming, then we're going to stay ready knowing that he's coming at some point. Mm-hmm. We're not just going to doze off or go into town and go have fun. We're going to stay locked in on what we're here to do because mm-hmm. we know he's coming back. And mm-hmm. so there's this level of personal accountability of, man, I don't want to be I don't want to be found doing anything other than being right. expectant when he shows up right. because he is coming. Mm-hmm. So there's that sense of like, stay ready. There's this like very hope filled sense of man, whatever crisis I'm in, whatever situation or circumstance I'm in, he's coming and he's removing me from mm-hmm. that thing. Mm-hmm. The longing in me that there's been to be removed from the pain and the suffering or mm-hmm. the difficulty, he's coming to remove me from that. Right. And so there's hope in that, mm-hmm. right? There's all of these kind of different contexts that it plays into, but it feels like maybe because of the um, potential confusion in navigating revelation we're hesitant to talk about it we're hesitant to be um and also you probably don't know too many people that are that you would classify as super normal that you (laughs) um hear talk about the return of christ often right generally it tends to be attractive to the people who don't kind of fit in with everybody else and so for the rest of the group it can be hard to be like 
I'll have what they're having. Right, you know, yeah. like it's hard to, it almost makes you adverse to be like, I kind of don't want to go there because I don't want to get weird. You yeah, know? there's something pretty otherworldly about these realities. And, and yet when you look at the New Testament writers, you know, the coming of Christ was all over the words yeah. that they wrote. Yeah. And it was their motivation. It was their hope. It was, it was the thing that they clung to. It was the reason why they were driven. It was why Paul was as driven as he was mm-hmm. to go as to the far out, you know, outskirts yeah. of the known world to make Christ known. Uh, because, I mean, he's, he's already gotten a vision, you know? I mean, yeah. on the road to Damascus, if you get a refraction of light of the glorified risen Jesus, you know, on your way to, you know, torment Christians... I don't think you ever forget that moment, mm. and I think that moment actually drives your mission. Yeah, and and so throughout the pages of of the New Testament, we see guys who saw Jesus. Mm. You know, they they caught glimpses of his glory, whether that be the transfiguration, whether that witnessing his resurrection, whether that them looking up into the sky and watching him ascend yeah. into heaven. And the last words that were told them by those two angels, right? Yeah. Was it two angels? I don't know if it was two. But it was it was a couple angels said, Hey, why are you hanging why out you, here? Why are you hanging out here? Why are you looking up in the sky? The same Jesus who left you right here is going to return in the same way. Yeah. On the clouds. And so if you have that, if that's kind of your your bracket, yeah. That okay, that's the last thing that I saw as this man, Jesus, God man, that I spent three years with. Yeah. You know. I saw him go up, and he's going to come down in the same way that he left, you know, at his return. Those are things that would drive the rest of your life in terms of your mission, what you write about, yep. you know. I got to go tell everybody. I got to go can. tell everyone. Yeah. And so, yeah, I get what you're saying when it comes to, yeah, those those are the weird ones, you yeah. know. And yet, maybe they're not. Maybe yeah. they're the only ones who actually get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And, and I think that, you know, holding a hope in this and being bold about it and letting it drive us doesn't have to make us, mm-hmm. and I don't even think in a biblical sense it would make us, people who have a, a board back at home with yarn connecting this thing to this thing <laughs> right, and right. this thing, and uh-huh. it's like, see it soon. Yes, exactly. I don't need any We're of that. We're not putting dates and times. and yeah. I don't need any of that yeah, to right. say that it's soon. This tells me yes. that it's soon. Yes. This tells me to be ready. This tells me to stay on mission. Yes. This tells, and that's enough. Right. And so... Yeah, there's a fanatical side to this that can... Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. I I think to hold to that hope Mm -hmm. doesn't have to make you this fringe fanatic. It actually sets you on Mm -hmm. a very purposeful course over the rest of your life Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. say, I literally don't know either due to death or the return of Christ, Mm -hmm. how many days I have. Right. And it's that that doesn't drive me to fear because mm-hmm. I know where I'm going. Right. I know who I belong to, but it drives me to purpose. It mm-hmm. drives me to urgency yeah. and to mission. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're missing out on. I think many people, because they're scared of becoming the yarn people, that they don't want, they almost avoid the whole thing. Right. And it's like, you, I, don't, yeah. you don't have to become a yarn person mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to hold this hope. Yes. That's not even the, what the biblical hope looks like. It drives us not into a cave, but it drives us into the world. Right. It drives us into mm-hmm. mission. Yeah. So I think we're missing there if we're mm-hmm, mm-hmm. too scared about it. Right. I was also struck this weekend and in the passage and just thought there was a, a great job that Pastor Todd did in highlighting it uh, about the really just all-encompassing work of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that um, Peter talks about in this passage. I mean, you literally have the the Holy Spirit is the one who brings about the writing of Scripture, 
brings about the people who are preaching the gospel to these mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. So was involved in the stuff that was written, involved in it being communicated now. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this kind of positional holiness, this living out obedience, that idea of sanctification, mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Right. And as I'm sitting there and I'm I'm thinking about that, and you know, I'm also like mid-shred right now, so I'm right smack dab in the prophets, mm-hmm. and the prophets just keep talking about this new spirit, and that wasn't one of those right. things that was far off. That was a thing that was coming right after the resurrection of mm-hmm, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And as they keep talking about this new spirit that's going to be given to people who believe in Jesus, who have this new relationship with God, it just keep, I keep feeling like, Matt, they're, we might have a church full of people who have a new spirit that they never use, that they never tap into. And it's almost this, you know, great line from Galatians, who's bewitched you that you started in the spirit and now are trying to finish in the flesh. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about the American church today. I think that wraps a lot of us up pretty well that we have Mm -hmm. this, you can't deny the spiritual things that happen at conversion that I was brought from death to life and my heart quickened to respond and all Mm -hmm. of these things. But then on the other side, I get into all my religiosities and I build all my systems and structures and I try to do it myself. I try to mature myself Mm -hmm. to look more Mm -hmm. like Christ. And you get these weary, tired Christ followers Mm -hmm. who are sapped of joy, who feel like they need to restrain themselves from everything and they're trying so hard to do what literally they couldn't do, which is why they needed a savior Mm -hmm. in the first Mm -hmm. place. And I just feel like we're missing out on the Holy Spirit is carrying the whole process and we're still trying to run it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I'm Mm -hmm. just wondering, man, how do we, how do we better tap into the work that the Spirit wants to do in our lives that we're almost trying to do independent of Him? Right. I think of uh, the, the, the verse in Galatians 5, it says, walk by the Spirit and you Mm. won't gratify the desires of the flesh. I think that's related to just just fighting the flesh, you know. Yeah. And Pastor Todd, you know, referred to the boastful, the uh, the lust of the eyes, lust uh, lust of the flesh, boastful pride of life, and so and and not reverting back to those old ways and not letting the world squeeze us into its mold. Yeah. Uh, but by walking in the Spirit, we're we're giving time and space and opportunity for God to do what only He can do. Um, is it Philippians that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, yeah. for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to act according to his good pleasure. So, you know, there, there are things that I can and should be doing, um, but it's really a matter of, of submission. Mm. It, it's coming under the authority of, of God's word. It's being renewed, you know, allowing my mind to be renewed and transformed uh, through the word. And, and so, you know, how do we tap into the spirit to build obedience I think we have to start here. Yeah. I think we ha- if the if the word of God is truly living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword and able to get to those deep places in my own, you know, heart where, you know, the author of Hebrews would actually say it's it's actually dividing between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. Mm. I mean, that that's a pretty fine line there. Yeah. And so there's a work of God's spirit through, you know, his written word um which was inspired by the Spirit of God, which carried along the writers in the beginning, yeah. you know, to inspire it and to put it down on paper yeah. uh, so that we can read it now and be transformed through it. I, I, I think, you know, we cannot tap into the Spirit, you know, 
to build obedience in us unless we know what we're supposed to be obedient to. Mm. And so I think, you know, clinging to the word of Scripture, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, this th- shred that you have initiated for our, our church family has been a great exercise mm. in getting into the word. I, I will admit that, you know, as I'm going through it, one, I'm, I'm, I'm three days behind. You're right. There. I started a day late, January 2, and, and I've taken two Sundays off. So that's Got where I'm Sabbath. at. And, and to be honest, you know, when you're listening to it at 1.75, you know, time speed and trying to follow along, you know, I mean, it, this for a guy like me who's highly reflective, yeah. wants to meditate on wants the Word, to, yeah, sit dig deep, sit in it, this does not do that. Yeah. Uh, but it's still, it, I'm, I'm being poured over by God's Word as I go and spend, you know, a whole lot more time in it every yeah. day. You know, than I did in even my reflective moments, and I think this is all part of, you know, tapping into the Spirit of God and allowing Him to do His work in me to transform me through His yeah. Word. Yeah, yeah. I, I think of, you know, just a chapter over from your reference in Galatians six: mm-hmm. God is not mocked; a man reaps what he mm-hmm, sows. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really the goal of the Christian in the pursuit of maturity and mm-hmm. obedience: is mm-hmm. not how do I stop doing X, but how do I become fertile ground for the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do I make myself fertile soil for him to grow in me and uproot in me the things that he needs to? Because I will not uproot things in me. I will not have victory Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. things in me. And yet that is how I think many of us seek to live in our transformation. It's almost like we admit the, we have the humility to admit our need for a savior. Mm-hmm. but lack the humility on a daily basis to admit our need for that right. Savior to keep saving us, mm-hmm. keep redeeming mm-hmm. us, keep cleansing us. Right. And it's like, well, now I'm safe, so I'm good, and I'm going to go right. do this right. stuff right. in right. my own strength. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's kind of the whole point is I was never going to do this stuff in my own strength. Right. 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 And so it's not the work that I'm doing isn't putting in religious systems and structures to help myself not do all the don'ts and do all the do's, but instead I'm putting in disciplines into my life to make myself a fertile ground for the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And he is the one who will do the uprooting. He right. is the one who will do the planting. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like you're saying, I've just got to be around him mm-hmm. to become fertile ground. I've right. got to be in this. Mm-hmm. I've got to be with his people. Exactly. And like it's, yeah it's those tale as old as time kind of things. Like you're always going to hear pastors say, go to church. You're always going to hear pastors say, you should read your Bible, but it's not this checkbox thing that we make it. Mm -hmm. It's man, I come to this to again, be transformed so that there will be fertile ground in my life Mm -hmm. for the presence of the living God to bring the transformation. And how, how sad that in my pride, I'm missing out on the benefits of that Mm -hmm. because I'm thinking I'm just going to go fix myself now that I've been saved. Now I'm going to go clean up. And it's like, man, where did I, where did I get my wires crossed there? Cause I don't see that anywhere in scripture Mm -hmm. and my work that I get to do in the process of sanctification is continually coming under continually submitting. And I think also a, a work that we get to begin getting really good at in sanctification is repentance Mm -hmm. is continually coming back, allowing my heart to be affected by, man, how deep my sin is. And to say, Lord, I, I don't want this in my life, but I know I'm not the one who's going to get it out of my life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I'm coming back to you 
because I, I can't fix this on my own. I know I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, but I'm coming back to you and I'm praying your spirit would root this out of me and plant in me these things instead. Yeah. And it's like, that's our work in mm -hmm. sanctification. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yet we think it's like, well, I'm gonna put all these systems and structures in place and I'm just gonna get myself to stop sinning and I'm gonna get myself mm -hmm. to start living more righteously. And yeah. it's like, I feel like, there's no power in that. There's no transformation in that. There's just kind of white knuckling until mm -hmm, Jesus mm -hmm. comes. Yeah. And that doesn't really feel like life to the full, mm -hmm. which is what Jesus promised us right. here and now. Yeah, yeah. The resources that God has given us, I mean, it's just amazing when you think of, you know, God has given us his spirit, which indwells us, which is the best, you know, uh, comforter and counselor yeah. and convictor we could ever have, right? He, he's always with us, never not with us. So he's given us his indwelling spirit. He's given us his living word. And then he's given us the people of God. Yeah. And I think those are all really amazing, sanctifying change agent yeah. kind of things in our lives. Uh, you are not left off into the desert. I get we are desert dwellers here, but you're not pushed to the edge of Lucerne Valley, you know, in the yeah. far, far east of, 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 of this desert all by yourself. You've got resources that that God has purposed for them to be useful, you know, for us to grow, yeah. and to be sanctified. And, um, you know, I think of what my growth group has done in terms of that process. I think of what my time in God's Word has done for that process, you know, um, and then meditating on His Word and having those things, you know, when you're driving along and the music's off and the podcast is off, and you've got the Spirit of God bringing these things to mind, reminding you of what He yeah. said to you earlier that morning as you were reading His Word, or reminding you of what, what you were edified in a conversation that you had with your growth group the night before. You know, all of these are, are... And then me submitting to those, those prompts, you know, I think that's, that's just the amazing gift of, of God's Spirit and how He works, at least part of how He works, yeah. you know, to grow me and change me. Yeah, and I think those three things that you mentioned... They just make the such a great cocktail for sanctification in our life, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and when I'm deficient in any one of the three, I hedge myself towards uh, stepping out of line and mm -hmm. potentially stepping out of bounds, right? If I just go all Holy Spirit, no church, no scripture, right. I'm going to find myself not testing the spirits mm -hmm, and not mm -hmm. knowing what I'm following and what I'm listening to. And if it really is the living spirit of God mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. the spirit of the world. Right. And if I go all Bible and no church and no spirit, then I'm going to come become super full of myself mm -hmm, and think mm -hmm. I'm the best and I know all this stuff and everybody right. else is a bunch of losers. And if I go just church, I'm going to find myself falling behind the rest of the group because I'm deficient in the growth areas, these growth accelerators mm -hmm. of being in God's word and living and walking, being filled in his spirit. Yeah. And so it's like, I've got to have all three of these things together because mm -hmm. if I read something in his word or I hear something from the spirit, well, now I can check that against his word, check that against the spirit, mm -hmm. and then check that against the counsel of his people. Exactly. And yeah. so it helps me through all three mm -hmm. of these mm -hmm. things keep being balanced and yeah, I'm really following him. I'm not following myself. I'm not following my own interpretations, mm -hmm. but I'm following him. Yeah. And uh, man, just such a, like it, we really do come back to those basics so often in our recommendations to people. Mm -hmm. but yeah. That's right. because that's where mm -hmm. the power is. It's mm -hmm. in those mm -hmm. three things, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I loved the, um, 
illustration of the toothbrush uh, this weekend. I have to say, I can't unsee yeah. Pastor Todd brushing his teeth no. in front of all of us. Yeah, yeah, that's uncomfortable for but, sure. But the point was made very the, clearly. The point was made, you know, <laughs> and that much is true. And so it's a it's an illustration that will live in infamy in each of our heads now. But um, it's just a great visual for us, though, of what kind of almost two areas of error we can go with holiness, either box on the shelf mm-hmm. or not set apart for one purpose, but yes. for anything mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. And so as we talk about that, though, and we go from a toothbrush to, to me in my life, you know, then you begin to think, well, man, what does it look like to live on a daily basis with this kind of being connected to the set apart purpose that God has for my life? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, to be set apart for a purpose, you know. I mean, God, God says, "Be holy as I am holy." Okay, well, that's that's a tall order, and that only comes through, you know, really the the sanctifying work of God's Spirit to make me like that as I submit to Him. Yeah. Um, you know, how do I embrace that command to be holy? How do I set myself apart or allow God to set me apart, you know, to for, for a purpose specific, you know, to, I don't know, my context, the people that he's placed around me, my roles uh, that he's given me, uh, maybe the spiritual gifts, you know, how do I put those into practice, you know, but I think it all comes down to, you know, striving to put God's character on display, you know, mm. in whatever context I would find myself in. Uh, I've been given people, right? I mean, we've got a relational world, yep. you know, um, that God has supernaturally and strategically placed before us. They're, they're on the front row of our lives, they're observing our lives. And so what does it look like to practically live out our unique set apart purpose? I think I have to be mindful of, you know, what does it look like for me to put on God's character? You know, mm-hmm. Colossians talks about putting it on, you know, clothing yourself, putting yeah. it on like a coat um, so that my relational world can can see him in me whether it's, you know, my wife or my kids or my neighbors, um, those that I, I work with, my coworkers, the lady at the grocery uh, store checkout, whoever that would be, you yeah. know, am I, you know, walking around as an agent of, 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 of Christ putting on his character to my world? Am I, am I aware of what my spiritual gifts are? Mm. Do I even know what they are? Mm. Do I know how he is, you know, in, in the DNA of, of Matt Colomb, Jackson Arnett, you know, how has he wired you mm. to serve? to be you know, someone who could encourage and build up and strengthen the body of Christ and to be uh, a winsome you know, witness to the world. Um, I mean, there are things that I think we'll probably take our entire lives just to tap into in terms of understanding who we are as God made us, mm. how he wired us, um, so that we can be a blessing and a witness of his love in the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think about when it that idea of be holy as God is holy mm-hmm. for me, that messes with my expectations, right? Because I, yeah, a superhero pops into my mind, right? Something that's so unique, so distinct. And I think that's maybe this really kind of compelling heresy almost that we want to hold to in Christianity is that we're going to be these super people and everybody else looks dumb compared to us. Mm-hmm. When expectations wise, I've got to remind myself that, Jesus, God in a bod, mm-hmm. was confused 
people all the time. They looked at, isn't this just the carpenter? Mm -hmm. It just seemed like a regular guy to them. And we forget that with Jesus because he's like a superhero in our mind, right? And so Mm -hmm. we just think, well, he's just walking around being a superhero all the time. And people are like, well, obviously this guy's different. Mm -hmm. No, a bunch of people looked at him and were like, isn't this guy just the carpenter? Right. And people are going to look at you and me and be like, isn't that just my neighbor? Isn't that just a guy I saw at the grocery store? Mm-hmm. We're just regular people. That's mm-hmm. not this, that instruction doesn't make us these superhumans now, right? right? And I think that's what we want it to mean. And I think that's what would feel cool because then we look really cool, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. looks at us like these demigods right. that walk among us, right? Like that's what we would uh, love. Yeah. But when God came in a body, they still missed him because he just seemed like a regular guy. So the instruction is not that I'm going to look so incredibly unique and distinct, but once as you get to know me, as you see the way I live my life, as you see God's character that's wrapped around me, those things you begin to tell, there's something different Mm -hmm. about this person. It's not tantalizing. It's not this Mm -hmm. eye-catching, whoa, there's something really different about Mm -hmm. this person, but it's that's why we're effective in our relational world because mm-hmm. it's people who are close enough to us to see right. wow you're you're different there's mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. different to the way that you live your life to the cadence and rhythm of it yeah. and as we think about that i think it's just important for us to have those healthy expectations because otherwise if we expect this you know big grand life ahead of us where we just look amazing and so distinct to everybody that we interact with i think we're going to find ourselves heaping lots of guilt and shame Mm -hmm. upon ourselves because we look like pretty regular people right right which is exactly what we should look like it's just as you get close to us hopefully more of god's character radiates yeah yeah Pretty cool that, you know, even the disciples that Jesus chose, you know, in the book of Acts, you know, when, when they hear Peter talking, they're like, they're like, who is this? Is it- this guy drunk? Yeah. <laughs> or the other one was, you know, they, they realized that these guys were untrained, yeah. common people. Yep. And yet something supernatural was coming off their lips. Yeah. And so I think that's mm-hmm. that tension, right? We get the privilege of being used in powerful ways in this life, mm-hmm. but we're not always going to look like used in powerful ways type of people. Right. We're going to look pretty regular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we can get our expectations there, I think we'll find ourselves excited to be used and mm-hmm. content with our simple lives at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, thank you for the time, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We're going to make tangible takeaways your oh, home man. yet. You know, yes. Okay. It's going to happen. Third time's a charm. Third, we'll time's, see. We'll third see. time is yeah. the charm. Okay. Uh, man, hope that this has been an encouragement for you. And as always, if you've got a takeaway from the message, don't forget to leave it there in the comments. We'd love to see it. And don't forget to like the video, maybe share it with a friend as well, and subscribe so that you get future videos. That's all we have for this week. We'll catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways.